0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to our epic X-Men reread presented by Crushing Comics. I am here with my fellow longtime X-Men fan. Tyler, and we are joined by our good friend Furio, who is reading this Chris Claremont X-Men run for the first time, and that is the magical reason that we are getting together for an epic X-Men, re-parentheses read, because some of us are not rereading it. And today, we are deep into the Phoenix Saga territory. We are reading Uncanny X-Men 132, 133, and 134. Also, along with this episode, we're going to read the backup stories in classic X-Men uh, 41, 42. And forty-four. Oh, as well as forty. So that is what is in store today. But to just warm up a little, I thought that we could talk about that actual topic of rereading. Uh, mm. So we all know that Tyler and I reread a lot of X Men. But mm-hmm. what is something yeah. else that you are either continuously rereading or you've recently undertaken a reread of Tyler? Um,
1: the only thing that I can think of that um, I've reread more than once. That means no three or four times is um, Dragonlance Chronicles. So that is the very first fantasy novel series that I've read. So that has a very nostalgic um, feel to me, and also I think the fact that um, the series has never been uh, adapted to uh, any other forms, you know, kept it really um, fresh for me whenever I re. Pick up the book and reread it again. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I th- I think, yeah, Legends, I did not do it past the second time, but Chronicles, I think I did it like three or maybe four times. I can't remember.
0: Uh, what about you, Faria? Um,
2: the one that I re- re- reread the most was Harry Potter, obviously. Mm. I read it, like, except for number five. I only read it once,
0: which is but, my favorite <laughs> one, but. Conversation, yeah. For no,
2: I know, I know. It just, it just like you know, everything that happens in it is too difficult. It's too mm. difficult, not quality thing, it's just a content. Mm. Um, and then the other one is Tintin, uh, by oh. hers, 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 her, you say, yeah, um, is it supposed to be
1: Tintin, Tintin, or Tintin?
2: Yeah. Well, no, I, I mean, know. it's
1: spelled Tintin, but I think it's not supposed to be pronounced as Tintin. <laughs>
2: oh okay something i learned today okay so i read it i reread that a lot of time but i think it was like um like as an adult when you reread it you kind of realize that how um weird some of the things are in it (laughs) and then you're like "Mm, i don't know about this anymore yeah but recently i've been i reread um sad man and now i'm rereading lucifer um to kind of going into that universe a little bit more. Yeah,
1: but, In yeah. the midst of you reading like whole chunk of X books, oh, you're yeah, rereading yeah. <laughs> Sandman
0: and yes, the small project. Sandman, oh which God. I still haven't read all the way through since Free and I started reading it back in 2018. I think she's now yes. been through it twice since then. Yeah. I'm still <laughs> eight yeah, issues have...
2: in. Exactly. So I've read it. There. And then also like I, I finished up all of Decimation. Decimation decimate era whatever you call it like house of m to gillen and the rex yeah well a lot of people call it
0: messiah era too right Uh, oh okay
2: whichever um and then yeah so then this is like a side project and then there's this one
1: (laughs) (laughs) what are you are you wearing a necklace who me yeah no okay no i'm just wondering if you're
0: wearing that time turner Oh, <laughs> you do really i mean i don't understand i know everybody says that everybody is the same hours in the day as beyonce but I, I you know i'm not i'm not usually trying to accomplish all the same things in a day as beyonce some days i am but i just want the same hours of the day that that fariha has to reach <laughs> i know it's a lot of like okay okay go 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 go
2: and then it's like, ooh, okay now go 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 it's a lot of that. So it kind of works out at the end of the day.
0: It's... I don't. I don't really reread comics as much. I mean, clearly, I've re- reread a lot of X Men. And there's certain things as I've been um, putting more and more stuff on my indie shelf as mm-hmm. I've unpacked. I realize that I tend to reread a lot more indie books than superhero books, just because like I want to go back and kind of experience that whole story again, rather than just you know chapters in an ongoing saga. Although clearly, mm-hmm. I love superhero books. But the things that I reread the most usually are novels. I have reread The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy so many times. I can't even mm-hmm. tell you how many times I've reread it. But also. Uh, Stephen Brust, who is a fantasy novelist, who wrote this, has this very long series called the Jerhegg series, or alternately the Vlad Talto series, and it's one big series of books, but then it also has kind of like accompanying series and slightly different writing styles, and it's about this one human uh, who's an assassin in this world of Dragerians, which are all people who are uh long, long, long ago interbred with different kinds of animals, supposedly, or maybe they just descended that way. It's very kind of like high evolutionary messes with the the, mutant, mm-hmm. the human race and the Marvel universe. And it's uh it's just very very charming and it's a great different fantastical world. It's like not Game of Thrones, but it has a lot of those big fantastical elements of Game of Thrones without just being this one monolithic kingdom versus kingdom battle. I keep waiting for it to be adapted. It's been around forever. I think the first book came out in like the earlier mid 80s because there's a Marvel epic graphic novel version actually of mm-hmm. one of them and the epic graphic novels were only from like the middle of the 80s. But uh yeah, I've reread it so many times, probably like 4 or 5 6 times all the way through and probably do. I need to dig the books up cuz it's been a couple of years.
2: Ooh, you have to tell me all about it. I love those kind of You sports.
0: might really like it. It's it's really yeah. really cool. Yeah, because okay. just like Tell the whole the whole imagination of the world. A lot of it's b- based on like Hungarian myths and, and folktales and things, but it's like I this know. fully realized fantastical world, and there's so many levels of mystery of like how did all the Drigarians get like that? Like who wields the power of magic? Like, you know, what would happen when the empire gets turned over to the next kind of um the next class of people to rule? There's just like all these really cool big things. And then in the mm-hmm. middle, he's just gotta like slit somebody's throat. So it's like really so a yeah. cool balance.
2: <laughs> and then we can do a reread.
0: <laughs> Ooh, that. I like, love re-read. it. <laughs> <laughs> we can do a reread of that. I mean,
2: it's okay. something yeah. completely different. No, we would do the
1: read
0: and he would do the re Oh my right, gosh. That saying. would be like a dream come true <laughs> if we had a book club discussion of Stephen Bruss books. I love him so much. Okay. okay. Wow. Well, that was exciting. Uh, so we're here to talk about, really, to me, what this is the proper beginning of the Phoenix Saga. Some people start it with 129 because they're like, oh, well, that's the encounter with the White Queen and the introduction of Hellfire mm. Club, and that sets it rolling. But I never really have felt like that's the Phoenix Saga. I mean, it's necessary to this arc of Gene, I suppose, but because they, like... Get accosted by the Hellfire Club goons. But to me, this is it. They're, they're breaking into the Hellfire Club. But first, we have to start with Uncanny X-Men 132. Scott is really taking charge here. And as they escape that whole scene of battle from Chicago in 131, where they've freed Kitty and, and Dazzler's going on a separate way. Um, Scott's like, let's go to angels because we need to figure out how the Hellfire Club is getting all of this information about us, because all the people have you know stuff to never mind that white Queen is a psychic and probably could have just gleaned it from somebody Scott's convinced there's a mole and yeah. uh, and this leads to a couple of interesting things which we could dig into I'd kind of just open the floor there, there's Scott taking charge there's pres- mm-hmm. Xavier's resentment of that there's angel and his free love <laughs> what, what do you want to talk about here <laughs> at the beginning of one thirty two for
2: uh, I mean, the 80s were the weird times when everybody just can kiss anyone, I guess. Look, like in some <laughs> cultures, <laughs> you
0: greet each other with a firm kiss on the mouth with a little bit of tongue. That's just... <laughs> I... <laughs> that's just the way of things. So,
2: so the thing is, like, I actually... So while at some point in my comic reading career, whether that's like you know early 2005 when I first read The Dark Knight Returns, uh, mm-hmm. my first superhero... And now I have read this issue at some point, because because I that weird kiss (laughs) because I remember it's been seared into my memory that that happened. And I don't, to be honest, though, because I was like, oh, did I read? I went through my Goodreads where I keep the list and everything. It's not there, so I feel like I just read a bunch of it, and I'm like, oh, this is boring, and I (laughs) let it go. I didn't read it, but the thing is that one thing of the the whole kiss, it just,
1: I don't know, I I don't know,
2: what is it? Like, why? Why is
1: it even there? It's it's not even a greeting type of kiss, right? He's holding her chin, tilting her head, and then, like, it's a a full-on, I mean, from what, I mean, well, maybe not a French kiss because I can see the tongue,
0: but it's a full-on, like, you know, kind of sexual kiss. And they and keep kissing each other that way into X Factor. That's just, Gene <laughs> and Warren just have that relationship. That's just how, the, like, the friends that they are.
2: But the thing is, it's better than Cyclops, though. Yeah. I think, but I don't you know, know. and, and I mean, whatever.
1: <laughs> and Warren did it in front of candies. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, like there's like another. Like, oh, you have someone else to worry yeah. about. I'm like, wow, Hades was a wild time.
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> like
2: everybody was just so so open. But yeah, okay. So from that, there was the whole thing about like you know Warren, like Scott telling Warren like, oh, take me away because I need to talk to you in private. And then Xavier like, private, privacy from me,
0: what? <laughs> yeah. Privacy, what is that? <laughs>
2: I mean, what is that? I don't even understand it. I didn't teach you privacy. Um So yeah, so it just kind of like, you know, starts there. But the thing is, I was stuck there for a very long time. And then we spent like three issues just recapping stuff. <laughs>
1: so that was no. something. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's funny because also um I think like, this is the first time when I reread this, And I was like, "Oh, Xavier is like really getting on my nerves because (laughs) he's like really annoying here. He's like, oh, he's like so jealous and so petty, and he's like, oh yeah, like I mean, at the end of last episode, he was like, oh yeah, I just stood by behind to see how you guys will handle the situation, right? And and then here he's like, oh wow, I I I wanted to go back to home, but." You know, Scott yeah, you, says
0: no, and he's like, oh. He's like, I don't mm-hmm. actually know how to steer the plane, and yeah. <laughs> Scott wouldn't listen to me. I'm like, yes, that's so, because you're a backseat driver, Xavier. You don't get yeah. to always choose.
2: So the thing is, like, I mean, I don't, I'm not spoiling it, but do you think, like, what we know about Hawks 2, He's under pressure
0: from that. Oh, I forgot to give our very mm. special warning. We are absolutely mm. going to get into some modern spoilers here because you have to interpret some of this stuff through the lens of what we know from H- House of X and Powers of X by Jonathan Hickman. So, uh, th- I mean, this is standard for th- for this podcast at this point and this program at this point. But especially due to a scene with Mora in the next issue, we're going to spoil some Hawksbox <laughs> stuff. But we're going to uh, really, really try not to go past that. So that is Ray. your warning, dear listeners.
2: No, right. But the thing is, like, every time I see Xavier in this, it feels like, oh, um, he's kind of under pressure from that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Because he's
2: kind of on a go, go, go mode compared yeah. to... Yeah. I him.
1: mean, he's also like, oh, wait, I can... Uh, I, I mean, later on in this issue, he's like, oh, yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't establish psychic link with the team. And no, like, no, not link. Upset
2: report. To-
1: Oh, they make he, okay. he
2: tries he tries to like p- puts a positive spin on it rapport so <laughs> that's my yeah. rapport. It, I'm just <laughs> yeah. I'm just listening in
0: via my rapport. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he tries to put a positive spin. Um, and speaking speaking of positive spin and rapport and stuff, um, this is kind of like one of my problem with like how scott is with any of his relationship is like it's always an open field like no matter who he's in a relationship with he has an ultimate like there is no secrets like the other lady will just walk in on his brain and all of that <laughs> and then it seems like it started here because it's like yeah let me in your mind okay come here i was like yeah. mm, no but this is not. a
1: permanent one this is like establishing a permanent psychic link
2: yeah, like rapport. Yeah. Sorry. Do not link
0: rapport. <laughs> because so they share like, the ultimate int- intimacy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so a, a couple of things continue to stick out to me and maybe even in new ways as I read these scenes. The first is we we see Angel here. We see Beast a little bit later in this journey as people who've mm-hmm. kind of separated from the X-Men and done their own thing. No Iceman appearance, however. Yeah. And Angel, even he's been through the champions and you really get the <laughs> sense, or I do hear that, he's kind of just his own adult in a way that mm-hmm. none of the X-Men have figured out yet how to be. Of Havoc always being like, I want to get out of this life. And like, <laughs> yeah, Angel has money and that certainly mm-hmm. helps. But just the ease in which they talk to him, the way that Professor X like doesn't really seem to threaten him at all in any yeah. of these conversations. It really feels like Angel it, in the course of these three issues represents like, could there be life after X-Men? Which I think has a really significant feel to it un- underneath The um, the pathos of what's going on with Jean, like as she gets further and further into this inhumanity, into this dark phoenix that we see over the course of these three issues, you kind of realize there's nothing normal for her, especially as later she revisits her family. And I think to start out with this, even though you know he's a multi-billionaire living in his you know special secluded ranch, ultimately a domestic scene with an X Men who has graduated really drove home the difference to me reading these three issues and then the next two issues you know in isolation yeah
1: no definitely there's a sense of um of the original five or at least part uh, some of the original five basically moving on and 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 having having a life um outside of i mean in this case for warren um is he still in the champions at this time or that's he already not- resolved so he's kind of just a just hanging okay. out yeah so he's just hanging out by know. himself okay saw with candy with, with and then yeah. like kissing every every girl that comes to visit him <laughs> yeah. in the mouth, the mouth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and boys too you just didn't see it
0: mm. yeah. right he, scott <laughs> got a kiss on the mouth right before that scene it was just off camera. Yeah. if we yeah. were still getting those extra pages in classic they would have shown it uh yeah so the other thing is um on their scene i call it the sexy boot Right? Cause they go to the, the boots after their sexy time. That's how you say it, right? Yeah. boot, boot, <laughs> Uh, in the middle of the desert. And Jean has, something's been unlocked through that battle that she had with Emma mm. Frost because mm. she, she just is like, I'm just gonna hold back your power the entire, from your vision so that we can have sexy times without you having your, uh, your glasses on. I mean, think mm. of how awkward that gets. You know? Like,
2: I mean, that's, like, if the gender was swapped, this would have, like, set me on a dark like right then and there and i think like this this happened to him later again with another character like you know that gene just buried under the rubble like you know we're not gonna say who that is but another character did the exact same thing to him and then it's like this is just something he likes he likes like this is just this he wants to be controlled
0: it's a thing it's part of he wants to have no secrets and have somebody dominate and turn off his power See, yeah, because no
1: because because he has to keep himself in so much control like just because he couldn't control his powers so he, he having someone take away the control is what he craves yeah so that's i want as, uh,
2: i want a solo series where Cyclops is single oh. single 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 yeah single, <laughs> yeah, single. <laughs> like you, low, you with could you
0: read the teen clock series from yeah uh, i did Rocker, but yeah. it wasn't
2: but yeah. it was teen, like yeah, you not know. The so same. it's 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 weird. Not quite the like, you know. yeah. yeah. So the thing is that, but I just want him because yeah. I have not read a single issue where he's not with someone.
0: Yeah, he's one of those There's, serial monogamists or polygamists, yeah, as the case like, may be in modern times. You
2: know, he's always with someone, and I'm like, where's where where is the individual Scott? Where is the Scott without his buddy? Like he's, he's, without he, his,
1: he, he's defined like, by him being an X man and whoever he's with loves
2: loves Jean or the other yeah the other one we the other the and top. the other one yeah and the other one <laughs> yeah like it so,
1: so whatever <laughs>
2: yeah so that's yeah. that's oh oh uh, we can't forget um colleen like you know
0: the- well, he doesn't oh. he's still got a key to our house probably yeah. to this day i would love to see some scene on croco where he's like what's this key <laughs> Because <laughs> we, we haven't seen him give it back yet, right? No, <laughs> no. Right. I, I, not. I don't know if he ever has. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's going to go track Colleen's key on the Marvel Wiki yeah. and see if it's ever. But I mean, this is one one snippet of the Dark Phoenix
1: saga that I I always that always um, you know stuck with me. That Jean is so powerful that he she could stop Cyclops' powers from coming out of his mm-hmm. eyes while they make out and you know and go further. So. Yeah, so that that always, I mean that that image always stuck with me. It's like,
0: oh, can she okay. still
2: do it? Can she still do it to anyone?
0: Well, she's Maybe. not the Phoenix anymore. Any yeah. yeah, it doesn't
2: she's matter. It, do- it doesn't seem like it's got anything to do with Phoenix, though. It's oh, like it
0: absolutely do it. does. It's yeah. part of her- no, no, no. no. Claremont then has I, this whole thing about how the phoenix is orgasmic power for her. Like, it's absolutely ugh. part of his story arc about the yeah. phoenix, that she's going to use the phoenix to access sensuality in in, mm-hmm. in the course of her life.
2: No, no, I'm talking about how she stops the power.
0: Like, I, me that's too. She... Yeah.
2: Oh, so you, oh, okay, so it is part of the phoenix power
0: then. I think so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's just like her level, right? That's how I was reading it. It's mm, like, her, because, you know? Yeah, because she's used because she's not the most powerful uh, telekinetic. What's the word?
0: (laughs) Kinetic. Okay,
1: yeah, telekinetic. Around so so with Phoenix, you know, backing her up, she becomes so powerful that she could basically stopped that.
2: Oh, I took it as more like the Phoenix gave her the idea; she could always do it. <clears throat> <clears throat> like Phoenix just gave her like the permission, like mm. go girl, let loose.
1: But in but with the recon, this is actually Phoenix doing it. So Ugh. yeah, so it, it's like it becomes really.
0: Uh, but okay, Ugh. let's not go there anyway. Yeah, okay. so moving on. Yeah, moving on the the fight scene. Scott's first time with a cosmic entity. Okay, so we go from that very tender scene to uh something really interesting i think in the run so far and it extends through the next two issues which is this is the x-men going on a mission of their own choosing like they Mm -hmm. are like hey let's go see what's going on in the hellfire club they Mm kind of went on a mission of their own choosing to find kitty and dazzler but it wasn't like a fighting mission this is this is like the first x-force moment of like we're we're breaking in which yeah. i think is really significant. I don't know if it's ever hit me before because i don't know that i've read with this like much intent before, but when they're infiltrating the hellfire club and they have this like master plan. Although really, how much of what what are they doing exactly? All <laughs> I mean, six of them uh, I, are breaking into the hellfire club to what for uh, get,
2: get information, yeah. i don't know
1: about
2: uh, what, uh, i don't know. <laughs> Tyler, you know, what what
1: what? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I mean, they learned... Just-
2: they learned the word hellfire and then Angel was like, oh, yeah, I used to be in hellfire way yeah. before. I We didn't like it. I'm
1: still, I'm still in hellfire club. That's I'm like still in the, club. Yeah. But We're still paying we dues, like I think. Yeah, Let's check the yeah, financial
0: yeah. statements.
2: Yeah. But, yeah. but we didn't like it because it was too risque. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so then, then they just decided to go check things out and no, without any plans. Like, you know, know, there wasn't, there was no plan. And they also, shout out, um, um, if Professor X. Now, Xavier is going to be like, told you so.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and they just leave him behind. They're they, they just, let just let like, I have this yeah. plan. Yeah. We don't yeah. need you. And yeah. they just leave him. They get on the blackbird and he just stays behind. I know. Yeah. You
2: so can... it kind of, it kind of always kind of, because of these kind of things, I always wonder when people say, that, oh, Xavier's dream and the current status quo. I'm like, what Xavier's dream they hated him from get-go like <laughs> what are you talking about like well, what is be, it
1: I mean
2: it's like a movie concept yeah in movie com- no
1: but it will come back it will come back a little bit later okay. on
2: yeah but yeah but they don't care for him that much mm-hmm. from the but, get-go
1: I mean that's true I mean you know I mean um um deviating I mean switching the topic a little bit I mean I it always amazes me when uh, Burn draws machineries, even if it's like a sewer <laughs> machineries. I always thought, like, I mean, the amount of details that he put in, whether they make sense or not, he just like he just basically, Ugh, yeah, I'm just gonna keep you know doodling and drawing lines and panels and things like that. And I don't know, I, I, it's so dense and so, I, I, is, it, I don't know, it's just great. I, I've not, um, I mean. And these are things that I don't think he traces or anything,
0: right? So he's basically just draw it out. Mm. More so even than the sewers for me. That really strikes me as they're throughout the Hellfire Club. While it doesn't maybe have a strict mapping where I'm sure Mm -hmm. where rooms connect to rooms, it feels very... Like, it's a real physical space. It's tangible. The the thing that always sticks out to me is there's this scene where Colossus is, like, yelling at Shaw for a second or encounters Shaw down the hallway. And he's, like, he's done the window behind Shaw. He's done the ornate ceiling above Shaw that's mostly obscured by a word balloon. And he had to know that would be where the word balloon would go. Um, He mm-hmm. draws this lamp on this end table that has drawers. Like, you you don't have to do that. R- yeah. really especially not on a monthly schedule you know people talk about now like oh the art is so detailed how you know nobody can do a full 12 issues monthly schedule this is really detailed there are mm-hmm. parts of this i mean he on that same page gets away with just kind of a blank backdrop twice mm-hmm. but then there are two backdrops that are really really stunningly rendered and that continues through this whole Hellfire fire clubs fight yeah yeah I mean, and I he this... also
2: he also so. remembers to put every single um hair on wolverine and every Shaw. time <laughs> and, yeah, and oh Shaw. yes oh yes i forgot that but yeah it's like it's there all the time and cyclops still to this day no hair <laughs> and
1: i mean and then also the scene where wolverine was in the sewer right with the light shining on him and then the shadows of the grace i thought that was like really awesome too because you know he plays with a lot of different things here
0: right? and that's one and of the my- most iconic wolverine images of mm-hmm. all time. Like, it's mm-hmm. never been... It, it's referenced constantly. It's homaged constantly. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I'm, and
2: there's, there's actually a one in uh, Miss Marvel, number five or number seven. Like, oh. uh, for the Kamala Khan, when uh-huh. she first meets him, yeah. it's actually in the sewer. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. like that. It's it's very much, like, you know, where he's walking and uh, yeah. uh, Night Chlor is on the top. It's yeah. him walking and... Kamala's behind is like, are we in the right place? This, this, Yeah, Can we And get she also,
1: <laughs> and she also, that was when she talked about the fanfic, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like,
2: yeah. So it was like the, all of that happened. Yeah. But yeah, so you are right. That, that is a very iconic, like it, yeah. it shows up again and again.
1: And also, I think this is the first time, um, or, or at least the first time I remember, that the editor basically referenced an issue page and panel.
0: Oh, yeah, oh, the they gets real issue. specific in the footnotes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "What?" I, I Which continues happening the next couple of issues. Yeah, I
2: appreciate that because modern days—you're
0: mm, lucky if they tell and... you the trade paperback that it's in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the other thing about this iconic Wolverine panel, let's let's recognize the coloring of uh, Glennis Wine here. Mm. This is. There's so many intricate things going on with color on this page. Look at the way the lighter green is being used against the darker green in the water to create these little splashes. Look at the way that um that yellow of his costume, it's, it's actually a green. Like if you used a, gro- a dropper tool to pull mm-hmm. it off of the costume and examine it in Photoshop or whatever, but it's reading to us as yellow because she is so masterfully put together the shadow work here that we understand that it's supposed to be yellow instead of what it actually is on the page, which is lime. It's lime green. So it's yeah. just like... Like, really, really smart. This is why I get so frustrated in the modern day with people who are always playing with light sources and everything, making, like, you know, realistic and shiny. Here's somebody who's paying attention to a light source, but it's not a bunch of reflections. It's understanding what happens to color. And and she doesn't have the benefit of all the lowlights and highlights and everything that everybody does in mm-hmm. modern colors. And it's it's iconic, not only because Byrne penciled it so masterfully, but because the coloring of it is extraordinary
2: agreed
0: definitely agree
2: yeah i even noticed like coloring and all that stuff this time uh but you know honest i i said it before though i really hate it when it's like a sewer like (laughs) it is new york
1: yeah (laughs) like the water
2: (laughs) oh god (laughs) Oh, and then he just just walks out of that, and st- like you know, that's why he stinks all the time. He doesn't. Well,
1: he has healing powers, so he's he can't like, heal, he can heal
0: his sm- his mouth. Yeah. yeah, but he's like,
1: oh, I don't care if, if you know if I if I ate some shit with like parasites or whatever.
0: <laughs>
2: no, it's not even about eating, but it's just like so I know. skin deep that it's I- like it just grows back with that smell.
0: The one other thing I think is worth mentioning from this issue before we go on to the next two, which is really just like a protracted fight for the next two Mm -hmm. issues, is I now that I've read more X-Men and gone back and gone forward in X-Men, I think the three Hellfire Club guys here are pretty formidable. None of them have like ray beam shooty kind of powers. They're very physical combatants. And previously that kind of combatant has not really threatened the team all that much. Like the fight against Juggernaut... It's not scary. It's just that they can't figure out what to do about him. But here, it actually is they really, A, can't figure out what to do with these people, but they're threatening, they're scary. Shaw, no matter what you throw at him, seems to be fine. Pierce, you know, says says he can crush steel with his bare hands, which, like, pointedly tells you not even Colossus is safe. And then Harry Leland can just basically squash them under their own weight. The more times I read this, the more I kind of marvel at, like, this is really threatening in a way that I think so far only really, like, Proteus and Magneto have felt quite this threatening. I don't know. What what do you think about that, Tyler?
1: No, I mean, definitely. And I mean, the other thing also is that it's, it's not so much about the powers. It's more, I think, they were taken by surprise. Hmm. So basically they were not expecting mutants to be part of the inner Hellfire Inner Club. Um the inner circle of the Hellfire Club. So um and so they were not expecting that.
0: They were just Why not like, though? They you know wake Queen as part of the Hellfire the Club. Like why would they yeah. not think that there's more mutants? Uh, I mean, yeah, that's true. It-
2: is because Cyclops sucks as a
0: yeah, <laughs> anyway, really but that through. But,
2: but, the, but the thing is, like, I just want to do, want to say though, because mm-hmm. it's actually a very interesting. I found it to be very interesting in the sense that Hellfire Club is secretly run by mutants, and even though there is a prominent mutant hater in their yes in their rank, but it's actually like they you know even in real life you see those kind of cat allegory like you know in even in minority community that there are yeah. people yeah. who have kind of gotten gone further than the rest but then they actually do nothing to help the community but instead find ways to how we can um like profit of that mm-hmm. um, or like profit off people hating on the community and those kind of thing so like as like faces of that these characters were actually, very, like, you know, scary from that point of view. Um, And then before we do move on to that, I do want to say, though, Edna Mode from Incredibles will love this issue mm-hmm. because Storm actually got a upper hand on Shaw, but it's defeated because of the cape.
0: Capes. No capes. <laughs> no, capes. Like, like, yeah. no capes.
2: Like, you know, it was actually, like, <laughs> she got a hang of it. She actually got him, like, you yeah. know, hit him in the mm-hmm. face. And then he got a hold of her cape, and that was her downfall. Yeah. No cakes, like you know, no I case. was I was laughing at that. I was like,
0: <laughs> no cakes. But as we yeah. move on to one thirty three and one thirty four, it's a lot of fighting, which we're going to talk about. But I want to mm-hmm. take this moment to have our whole kind of Hot Fox hot, retrospective moment. So, if you didn't want to hear the spoilers, here they are. Uh, because in 134, we, or 133, I'm sorry, you get a cutaway scene to Muir Island where Mura, still tolerating Banshee as if he is a pet, is continuing to have oh, observations no. about, um, about Phoenix's power levels at the same way that Xavier is so resentful of Scott as a leader, but, and specifically the thing he says is the mistakes it has caused, which you know, you, clearly we haven't had this new reading until 2019. At the time, it's just the mistakes of like getting the X Men into trouble. But yeah. now, reading that Xavier scene on the heels of reading that Mora scene, and knowing that Jonathan Hickman has read all of this and 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 made his new story snap around it, it really feels like Xavier's like Scott is forcing this Phoenix thing to happen too soon, and Mora is like this is the thing that we could have used. Her powers are beyond anything that we've that we've researched, but it's not like it's not time yet. Uh, and and this continues into the next couple issues. But did you did you get kind of like a different kind of interpretation in, from this little interlude based on our Hox Pox reading?
2: Um, I think I got it more that, and then also if you look at Avengers versus X Men, what happens with the Phoenix, what Phoenix does at the end of it, mm. um, and so if you compare that, like the like I think the idea was that use the Phoenix power to get more mutant that was the Mm -hmm. ultimate target so i think that's why like it was like oh it's too soon i don't know why but (laughs) apparently it is so so yeah like i mean i was kind of mostly thinking about that point of view but then yeah but there's so many other things that goes like that was just bad in this that i I was just like annoyed mostly
0: than anything what about you tyler um i
1: mean definitely some of the scenes um, do read a little bit, um, kind of like, uh, oh, there's there is this um, ulterior motive, you know, be, behind the conversation be- between Moira and and Xavier. So um, yeah, I mean, for me, it largely points to um, how you know maybe they're thinking of because the Phoenix is the life giver. Um, you know, she she gets reborn over and over again. So maybe they're thinking of using the Phoenix Force in part of the Resurrection Protocol. Mm. Yeah.
0: Which I think they've had the idea of by this point if you look at the journals and, and poc sex, But yeah. yeah, the thing that really occurs to me is again, Hickman has done such a great job of writing into what's already on the page that it's really easy to imagine that um, that there's other things that they're kind of not mentioning to each other here, especially because we know they've encountered the Phoenix, or I mean, Mora has encountered the Phoenix in the first life that she spent with Xavier, life four, but as part of the Phoenix Five. So we don't know if the Gene phoenix thing ever happened quite as it happened here. Who mm-hmm. knows? Maybe it happened and she lived. Maybe it never happened at all. We really yeah. have no way of knowing until we get a Mora series. So that just really stuck out to me, and we'll talk about that again when we get to one Thirty-five. So now and we have. Wait, wait, wait! Oh. Before that, um, also in the spoilers region, uh,
1: the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the um, there is one dialogue from Shaw talking about um, um, mutants becoming commonplace, and if his associates and him can isolate the genetic code that created us, and then custom built through genetic engineering mutants at will. That sounds exactly like Chimeras. So I was thinking, I was thinking about that. I was thinking, oh wait, did Shaw first thought about Chimeras or did Sinister? So well, and it certainly adds some context to Shaw being part of the Quiet Council. Mm-hmm. And right. wasn't there a recon somewhere that inserted Sinister into the Hellfire Club, the inner circle of the Hellfire mm-hmm. Club, somewhere?
0: He and know. Shaw's he
1: knows, history, yeah, he, but I
0: think he, in the it's in hell, the Hellfire Club, the like the flashbacky Hellfire Club miniseries. I don't know if it's the contemporary Hellfire
2: Club. He seems sleazy enough that to be in Hellfire Club at least once in his life, just to have fun, <laughs> just to just to figure out. Just like Warren, he just went mm. in there like, oh, what is this about? He's like, I don't like it. And
0: he then, might have yeah. just been there yeah. for the parties, honestly. Yeah. Uh, well,
2: no, hold on. Well, there is the relationship with him and Shaw that. Uh, Men legacy that we saw that, you know, him, Shaw, uh, Xavier, and then there was another, uh, person that he experimented with.
0: True. So, See, so, you are an expert now. Yeah. Um, there you go. Just
2: wait. <laughs>
0: there you just go. wait.
2: <laughs> like, yeah. So then, so yeah, so there he had some connection with our files mm-hmm. at least once. Yeah. Um, no, so one thing I do want to say though, is like, before I go into my, t- my, uh, rant, uh, I, as much as I don't, I was like, okay, what is the point of, like, you know, Dark Phoenix if we know the red con that you guys talked about? It's like, oh, okay, sure. Uh, but the thing is, like, uh, she, Dark Phoenix, like, with the hairdo and everything, she looks so good with a <laughs> permanent smirk on her face. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. like, there's it just, just a smirk on her face. Yeah. Um, But then I just want to kind of mention this one bit. Um, So... I mean yeah with like everything with jason and everything we've already talked about like, ugh, whatever but the other thing i was actually talking about is like the you know like these days we have this whole idea of like sensitivity reader mm-hmm. someone you actually get to read this and then kind of figure out what way what you wrote is like okay so the whole thing is like the x-men are captured right and there's only one Black character.
0: Oh, and my God. And
2: what is... Look, hold on. Let me finish.
0: I know. What, I just, is the
2: black cha- what is the Black character portrayed as? Okay. First of all. Uh, okay. And then you're like, okay, maybe a benefit we'll say of... It, even. some though, people are
0: listening and didn't... Uh, don't. She's portrayed yeah, as,
2: as, a, as, a slave, as... As a slave. As a slave. An
0: escaped slave. Right. Yeah. An yeah.
2: escaped... Like a slave, which is actually like, written out in the next issue. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, and the like, the art, you don't even need to interpret that. If you have read enough stories and if mm-hmm. you have re- read enough pictures and everything, you pick that out right away, right? All the other characters are in, like, their, like, you know, whatever costume appropriate. The only the Black character is that. Right. She's called a slave and then she actually is, like, slave? Like, you know, because... And then she's the only one who is like, who is be- beaten. Yeah. Like she's the only one who is beaten.
0: By Jean, who's holding a whip.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. By a whip. whip. Like, yeah. I mean, okay. So it's, it's, I yeah. mean, okay, the, all of that. Then in the next issue, whether it's Jean, whether it's Phoenix, some, whoever, the character says, you made me live my deepest, darkest fantasy. Is that your deepest, darkest fantasy? That you who are a slave over Like, I mean, if you kind of think about it, like put that all together, it's just such a bad, like, you know, and you know how you can avoid it? Just put Storm in like a cost, like a, a dress. Like I, it doesn't matter. She doesn't have to be escaped slave. Like it doesn't have to be. And the thing is like this, like this is the second time she was beaten in two back-to-back, two, like, you
0: know, two um, two things that, like, you know... It's more, right, two issues in, in a row where she's been singled out. Singled out. As like, oh, out. there's all these tough men, X-Men, but we're going to beat up Storm. And both beat times, it's, it's very gendered, it's very potentially racial in the previous one, it certainly is here.
2: Right, and the thing is, like, in both cases, it was the women... Balance against women You cannot show women beating up men Because oh my god their penis will shrivel So we have to show this And then it was both cases At least in the previous one you kind of get the feeling and maybe because I know so much about Emma in retrospect that you think that Emma singled her out because she's the most powerful like compared to the others like she's more cunning she knows that okay these other two dumbos they're just physical I don't have to deal with but I have to deal with him her but the thing is when here when I know nothing about like uh, nothing about Jean or how she is and everything her singling this out and then it just uh, the whole thing. It just I mean, I was just like, it's just terrible. It's terrible. It's like a useful whip and then the whole like it's it's not mm-hmm. ugh, I don't know. I'm just no, but, I was not happy with that.
1: Okay, but but if you th- if you think about it, like I agree with the first part, like why make her an escaped slave, right? So mm. so but then if you put if you you know take if you separate it out. So okay, let's say, you know, putting casting her as the slave is a is a given then mm. it kind of makes sense because she's not going to hit any other people who are not a slave
2: right but the thing is in the in this process you made jean a racist, a oh, racist i made that her
0: fantasy yes, no, yeah And made that her fantasy that's, yeah so, but, so that's what i'm think, saying like
2: it's like because i absolutely believe characters are what the writers write them You know, Mm -hmm. the writers make or break a character. So by not thinking this through the same way how Batman is actually, Bruce Wayne is actually Jewish now and Mm -hmm. nobody talks about it. You have done Gene as fantasize about being a white slaver. What? Well,
0: Well, the other thing, too, that I think comes out of actually having like a sensitivity read and and a thought about this is. When you say, oh, well, it's the 1700s and we have this black character. Um, so that black character must be a slave in this, in this fantasy version. Then you back yourself into this corner of like, well, now I've got to think of I'm, and I'm certain mm. Claremont thought about this way. I mean, I'm not to put yeah. thoughts in his head, but it just seems really obvious to me where he's like, mm-hmm. well, I guess if Storm is going to be a slave, Jean should probably slap her, which is like so many levels of messed up as free as outlined. But you put yourself in this corner because you started with the assumption that because you have one black character who's who's an african character at this point storm i don't think we could fairly call her an african american she's an african yeah, character she's african. and and just because you have her you've got to go down this road every time i read it and i get to that sequence Part of my brain always goes, Oh, but they're not going to make it literal, right? They're just going to leave that to us as the reader to assume mm. that there's this slavery thing. And, and that's on us to project. Nope. And then it gets made literal every time. And every time I just kind of like wince and my stomach turns like, Why? Why would you go down this path? Uh,
2: the other characters, um, what, what do you call it? Uh, what's his name? Um, Nightcrawler. Colossus. He just looks like, yeah, uh, yeah, Colossus looks like a, just a white man. Nightcrawler looks yeah. like a white man. So,
0: why you and they don't really there? deal with their other their otherness, right? They don't deal yeah. with the fact that Nightcrawler is is German. Would there have been a German in this particular co- colony that Mastermind has devised? Would there would the, anybody even have any knowledge of a Russian mm. in this colony that Mastermind has has devised? But it kind of goes down the the path of of perceived least persistence to play out this the slavery thing. It could have even been more interesting for Storm to just be an uh, African aristocrat. Right? Yeah. Which existed. Uh, and for, and for Jean to talk down to her and for somebody to be like, like, you don't get to talk to people like that just because of the color of their skin. Like, there's so many other places that I think if you were to write a similar sequence for Jean today where she's kind of stuck in a previous time, there's so many other ways you could have written this. Other than the path that Claremont went down. And here's the thing. We, you know, you can say, oh, it's of a time, but you, that still was disgusting to do in 1980. This is not one of these things where like somebody wore blackface two years ago and it's like, well, they were younger then. No, blackface was still disgusting <laughs> two years ago. Uh, and, and like, yeah, I, I mean, I really, so mm. the,
2: the other way to kind of get out of that would have been that if Storm actually uh, confronted her, like right, you know. I know give, that
0: give they, Storm they, agency. We've talked about this a lot. That Storm often comes out better than Jean because Claremont often gives Storm the agency in these situations, and instead of just oh, yeah.
2: So exactly. So if they, I mean, I know that it's like go, go, go after this. There's so little time. But at least at some point, have her talk to her as like, hey, what you did to me was not was not right, you know, or something along that line. I don't know. I was just like, mm. I was, I was not.
1: But yeah, in like this it. case, the the other X Men lived that fan, that uh, fantasy. Were they transported back? Well, they're well? all on the scene. Remember. They were all yeah. on the scene, and
2: but they don't actually see it though, right? Oh, yeah, right. they're like, why is that's my question? Yeah,
1: yeah. So which is Lin- why she
2: she's she's called slave and then you know storm has yeah. like a, has like a, has a thought was like has that, slave. that slave. yeah yeah slave. what are you yeah. talking about so so yeah so, so there was just, there was this element of like
1: yeah but she also probably wouldn't be able to confront her um well i mean yeah she would confront her for
0: using that word right that's true they, right yeah. Yeah, doesn't it feel mean, like storm's response would be like i'm no man or woman slave like that's a, that seems like a gimme Kind of storm yeah. response. to so right. No, so, I mean, it, yeah.
2: even later, it's like, okay, what was going on in your head? Yeah. Like you know. That's true. But you know. But but the thing is like, and here's the thing: because he have done all of this, now there's the retcon you said. Uh, oh, it was Phoenix all along. I'm like, oh what a cop out. <laughs> Let me hate Jean properly.
1: It <laughs> wasn't, but it wasn't a Claremont retcon. Oh, me. who's ret? <laughs> That's a big story story, (laughs) uh, behind the scenes and everything. But you also notice that the Black Queen has a mole and Jin doesn't have one. Because having a mole is evil. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true <laughs> and it's beautiful hey I'm telling you girl looks so pretty in this like we you know, get out hair hey, yeah. hairdo and everything oh I was like mm. <laughs> but yeah so that's that's that but yeah everything else but yeah well, the well look there, there's back. basically
0: two two and a half other components to these mm. two pair of issues one component is Wolverine slicing and dicing his way up To the fight again, which becomes plot significant many, many, many years later that he actually, and again, in terms of things that we haven't seen a whole lot, he Mm. is really carving up these Hellfire guards on panel in a way that we have not really seen him carve up human beings to this no. point in the run there's definitely yeah. the sense for the first time that wolverine left to his own devices and in a very desperate situation really has no compunctions about going as hard as he needs mm-hmm. to go he's mm-hmm. hinted at this many times but we have not seen it on not panel before it. now yeah right. and this happens and guess what those people becomes
2: reavers <gasps> exactly <laughs> <laughs> i know it now i so much about uverine like now i yeah. didn't even blink i'm like oh that's <laughs> normal <laughs> i didn't even Not think much. that i didn't even think that all this time he hasn't necessarily did it but the yeah. thing is i actually went ahead and read 137 there's like a panel of uverine in 137 i'm like oh this is so perfect <laughs> like you know we'll talk about it later but okay. the thing is like um I, I yeah i didn't even blink my eyes at this i was like ah. Oh these people like yeah um, but now that you say they're they become reavers, i'm like oh so perfect
0: <laughs> and also i think the other
1: thing is like senator kelly is
0: name drop here yeah that's my yes. my half a thing we get another scene with him upcoming but right. shaw mm-hmm. it's interesting like Shaw's really set a clever trap here. Even if he didn't Mm. know that the X-Men were going to show up, he kind of knew that they had Gene in their pocket now and that he was going to do something to try to start to influence Shaw as this presidential candidate. Or I mean, to influence Kelly Uh, as as, as this presidential candidate. So that was the half a thing. And then the other thing is the the end of this mastermind plot, right? So Scott uses his psychic rapport with Gene to backdoor his way into her fantasy world because he's, like, at the mental level. And... Gene is very confused to see him there, and Scott gets into this duel with Mastermind. Now, today we've seen so many of these scenes that it's like maybe not as striking. But at mm. the time, the idea that Scott, as a non-psychic, is just going to kind of like army crawl his way into the psychic plane via the report and like put up a fight there—it's actually this is like a really big gag at that mm. time. Like the the fact that that would even happen because there's we've first of all we've only ever really just seen the astral plane what? in that in the psychic dance off with. It, yeah. like, only like 13 or 14 issues ago. And two, you just would not assume that Scott could do this. So again, even though he ostensibly loses, he he lo- he wins by loses losing because yeah. he shocks Gene out of her reverie by her seeing him get stabbed mentally by Mastermind, which, and I've been really waiting for Freya's uh reaction to this, so I'm so eager to finally hear it. Gene just explodes Mastermind's mind in Retaliation for everything that Mastermind has done to Jean. So, Freya, I've been waiting and waiting for your reaction to Mastermind's <laughs> fate at the end of 134. I'm so ready to hear what you thought about it.
2: So, so yeah. So, one thing I do want to mention the first one is like you know uh, Scott doing this whole mental dance off on his own to kind of get <laughs> that Uh I was like that Cyclops let me hate you properly because that is so cool <laughs> like, because that was like you know that was smart right yeah that was, that's really like, clever yeah super clever and then you know you kind of thought of it and thought of it and so I'm like like this is why I'm telling you he just needs to be single he just needs to be single doing his own thing and I will I'll be okay I love him in AVX consequences by the way why because he's one on his own so (laughs) so that's what I am saying. like I was like oh like that was like I'm like (laughs) and then then the whole other thing that um the whole, like, how she kind of got rid of, like, you know, take care of Shah and everything, which, uh, it's very cool. Like, you know, it's absolutely, like, you know, it's like, she pretty much just turns him into a mush, and then it's like, oh, you have all these thoughts and everything and all that. It's, it's cool, but then also at the same time, like, we talked about it before, like, it's like, why is it that every time a woman doing something cool is because, oh, my God, this man had a control over me, but now I'm beyond that. It's like, ah please it's just another one of those right so it, it just kind of takes it away but then apparently this is not even Jean this is Phoenix so it's like okay then why were you in there in the first place <laughs> so, so I don't know I don't but, know I have mixed feelings I have yeah, like I, a lot of conflicted mixed feelings
1: I mean I think for all intents and purposes this um the reaction we can say that it is a Jin reaction
2: hmm, because okay. because
1: it's, it's Phoenix you know copying her her as a person so right. even though, you know, it's not Jean physically and you know in, in that sense, but um in in I mean, let's just say that her thoughts and her actions and her reaction to things stems from Jean.
2: Okay. No, I mean right. I thought that that was that I was like, you know, I'm like, yeah, let's do this.
0: Well there's I'm Locking this argument. up
2: in like this I don't know what he what she did to him.
0: She, <laughs> She's she just a bush. Will- so I've, I have a few things to say in response to that. So first of all, an argument can be made that this is the moment that Jean turns into Dark Phoenix. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. all of Mastermind's manipulations of, him, of her. For all of that, she was still herself. You mm-hmm. could make the argument that it's in this moment of pure revenge against him, which is not characteristic for Jean, no matter how warranted it certainly is towards Mastermind. That's that final moment. Where he he Mastermind did manage to unleash Dark Phoenix in the yeah. worst way possible for him by making Jean so angry that she kind of breaks down the last barriers that were connecting her to her humanity because mm-hmm. she turns to Dark Phoenix shortly after the scene with no provocation. Another thing that I always forget before rereading this, they're just on their ship. They're like, we got away. Hooray. And then Jean is like, no, fear me. But anyway, I'm yeah. not quite ready to go there yet. The other thing that, I, that <laughs> I maybe thought about for the first time this time, because of reading it with you and the remarks that you've made for it, is, is, you know, we always deal with how women get these universal powers and they're like, oh no, I can't handle it. I can't yeah. handle it. But here's Claremont kind of reversing that for a second, where Jean says to Mastermind, oh, you want the power of the universe? You want what's going on in my head? You think you can handle that? You want that unbridled power? Here. Uh, here it is, and he just turns into a gibbering mess. Like, it really does kind of feel like Claremont's saying, look, I've put a lot of impediments in Jean's pa- and path, and I get that it seems that she's, like, falling prey to this power a lot, but look what happens to this other male hero who gets one second of a glimpse in Jean's head. He can't even, his body can't even tolerate it. So it, I've wish... never seen that before, but now I kind of, I'm like, oh, is that what Claremont's trying to do with this fate for
2: Mastermind? I, I wish I didn't read AVX. That I would... <laughs> Because we have, like, you know, ABX has much different interpretation of, like, what people, different people can do with the power and mm-hmm. how they actually deal with that. Uh, but then I also kind of know what happens in 137. I'm like, ugh. So, <laughs> so, I think that's one of the reasons I wasn't as, Im- but I definitely, like, I was impressed by the fact that he had it coming. Like, you know, he definitely mm. had it coming. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, okay, so one, another one of those is like, oh, this man gaslighted me and all of that. So now I'm finally free. Now I can finally be who I want to be. I'm like, what if Superman had to deal with
0: that? Mm.
2: You know, yeah. like, that's that's kind of like, you know. And then, oh, also, like, geez, he's so ugly.
0: He's very yeah. creepy. That's he's like, his like the slightly winged chin and his long witch nose. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, the, the, I thought that that was his normal look, but no, that's a projection too. You know.
1: Yeah. Eh. Oh, you mean the good-looking one?
2: Yeah, I thought the that. Good looking,
1: I, yeah, Jason is 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 a projection. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know
2: that. I thought that, that was his normal look. Wait,
1: I thought yeah. I thought I pointed out the shadow twice to you, but she didn't yeah, know like, how
0: ugly he was gonna be just because oh, the yeah, okay, okay. shadow. <laughs> that's
2: what I mean. Like you know, I mean, I thought that even in the shadow, he probably looked. okay yeah like something but then this was like i was like whoa i'm like yeah but the thing other thing because remember how i was like mad about like i'm like why isn't like emma controlling her it's emma's technology Mm -hmm. like so so why is she not doing this (laughs) (laughs) why is she not doing this she she
1: doesn't have the the mastermind reality power
2: oh please apparently she and as if like emma that emma frost that we know can't (laughs)
1: Well, at that point, at that, make point that work.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, it's her technology. I'm mean, like, there's another, no, I know. The, another, another example. Men taking women's, um, you know, a- accomplishment and using it to their thing. Mm-mm. Oh, and then all. Oh, mm-hmm. This is when she learned that Emma did it. Like, ooh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> she's right, coming It was for Emma all along, whole time. Still, Emma coming regime. for you. Yeah. <laughs> So
1: the other thing that I kind of want to point out, I mean, it's not the it's it's not really the main main thing here is that like this is th- this is the first time Wolverine uh um says you know to Cyclops when they are running away from the fight that you are the boss. <laughs> he's not complaining anymore. He's he's not going down the route of like oh yeah you made me you made me run away from a fight, but then oh, you know he's just like oh I I I hate running leaving a fight half half finished
0: but you are the boss so oh, because that,
2: he doesn't he just doesn't want them to see all the dead bodies all the
0: big all, all yeah, the kind of dead bodies
2: yeah so it's yeah. like yeah um uh, let's run away from here <laughs> <Right.
1: And laughs> i also just created
2: a bunch of reavers
1: <laughs> and also in my mind like this is the first time cyclops and and wolverine you know that moment because they oh. met in the dark and then Wolverine like light like t- like some like the match it's like a-
2: <laughs> watch where you put well, have- think- your hands
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing I really take away from this, again, I, I this 134 is the first issue that I had of this in the original floppies that I mm. got at a comic convention probably when I was 10 years old. I had well. 134, 135, 136, 137. So I didn't know all well. the stuff that happened before, but 134 does a pretty good job of recapping it. So I kind of, <laughs> I kind of, I've read this so many times. Mm. And the other thing that really strikes me now that I get to read 132, 133 with it is this to me is a good comic book fight reversal, right? They fight Shaw the first time. Shaw just takes Takes them apart because they can't figure out how to get around his powers, and they fight him a second time. And they work together, and it actually is clever, right? Cyclops shoots a hole through the floor. Shaw falls to the floor. He's like, "Well, that can't stop me." But then Nightcrawler's like, "I can keep you off balance without ever really." impacting you because that's a circus thing like I do all these things without hurting anybody so Nightcrawler basically just does a circus routine on Sean it's really clever because (laughs) Sean never stops being scary the whole time I'm reading I'm like what if he gets his leg whatever and then Storm's like I don't need to hit you with lightning I can just make you really cold and to me I'm like this is this Finally, is starting to feel like we're not getting the same fights over and over again. It's finally Mm -hmm. feeling like they learned something. And it finally feels like there's a give and take. Like, I still want the enemy to be scary. It's no fun if the X-Men just, like, roll right through the bad guy every single time. And this, to me, was an example of, like, okay, here's somebody who I'm interested to see them fight again. Because it's going to be different every time, no matter what happens. They're very evenly matched. And this is also, like, the issue where, you know, you
1: when you see... Uh, a revolver in a drawer in scene two comes into play in the very last scene because Wolverine was in the sewer and, and he's like, oh, let me slash the wire first. And then oh, yeah, now yeah. it comes into play. So like two issues ago, and then he came into play. It, I mean, you know, it gets uh, a little bit of a payoff here where everything just goes
0: dark. Hmm. Well, that's, I think, a great moment to stop our discussion of these three issues and pivot into the classic X-Men issues that we read alongside here. Mm-hmm. Now, these... Uh, we're reading two that I we're reading one that actually fits just before this, which is a Nightcrawler story in Classic 40. And then we're reading three that absolutely don't. And the reason we are (laughs) is because Classic 41 and 42 partially contain the reprints of some of these issues, and it's a Scott Summers at the Orphanage being influenced by Mr. Sinister story, which, if we had been doing a whole reading of Classic X-Men, we would have read it even before um issue one of the original 1963 X-Men. Similarly, we have Rogue kind of being led more deeply in the Mystique's world, which probably is happening a little bit before this, since we're about to mm-hmm. meet Rogue in just about 10-ish issues. But um, yeah. again, we're just going to make these fit here, because this is a good point to read them. So first, we have Classic 40. It's a story by Tom Morzkowski, who's the letterer. Uh, and it's an odd story of Nightcrawler's belief that a young girl with a disability on the streets of New York City may be a powerful mutant. What would you think about this New York street scene, Tyler? Um,
1: I mean... Well, it's, it's New York City. No one cares if someone jumps over a turnstile in a subway station. (laughs) It happens all the time. I've even seen people. I was waiting
2: for you to say that.
1: (laughs) I've even seen people do that half turnstile thing. So what happened is that when you, when you pull halfway, it will snap back into the ring. So people will pull half, halfway the turnstile, step over into that gap, push back and they go through. So (laughs) this happens all the time. So no surprise. And Kurt was like, oh, <laughs> did that, why didn't anyone stop her or something like that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I know
0: that. And but thought- it's also
1: a, a story of the time, right? Because they were because it mentions like people getting salary on a Friday with cash. Like that kind of you know dates it a little bit.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's a different nineteen eighty was a different world. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um <laughs> oh. I thought it was an okay issue, but um, at the same time, um, it, there was this one woman that was telling something. I, w- I wasn't quite sure. She's like flashing
0: back to her mom. Yeah, right. It just was you know, a lot. It was a lot yeah. of that cut back and forth flashback for a, a brief issue.
2: Right, mm. and then the thing is, like, I wasn't quite sure. Also, like, um, if she was a mutant or not. I wish she was, and she was brought back. I wish this was like someone that we now know and love. But it kind of necessarily wasn't the case. So it was just one of them like, oh, okay, you know, especially if you read it based on like, you know, when they went to find Dazzler and Kitty, and then the fact that this is kind of like a part of the same initiative, it kind of reads really well. Um, But then, you know, it just on its own, it's like, okay, sure.
0: Yeah. All right, I'm going to steer us to classic. I I agree. I don't really have a lot to say. I mean, it's a fine issue. I, I enjoy that Nightcrawler really is committed to wanting to just befriend this person. Like other people mm-hmm. are kind of like, let's go find the mutant. You're a mutant. But Nightcrawler actually like wants to learn about her and try to tell her that there's this butter or different life. And it's interesting because I definitely think orzakowski is trying to parallel Nightcrawler's kind of decision that he's just going to look like himself in public now with, somebody who has a disability and like do something with that I, I don't know that it really gets there but, yeah. but it's, it's interesting, it's always nice to get a Nightcrawler story.
2: The one I, thing I wasn't sure though is like those other friends that she had, whether they're actually part of her mutation or not. Oh. At, at one point I kind of thought that they were part of her mutation.
0: Mm. See that's what we need in the modern day. We, we need a Hawksbox companion series. It could be a digital first series <coughs> where they just sequentially go through every like minor background character mutant. <laughs> And give us, and so, give us like oh, one, this page. Is just where, have an anthology, yeah. get one page of like, how, what do they think about? And just go sequentially through every mutant yeah. that's ever debuted on panel. Okay. We're going <laughs> to c- skip the, 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 um, Cyclops stories and do them last. So we're going to talk about Classic 44 by Anne Nacenti, our not our favorite always uh rogue shares an impulsive kiss with someone that leads her afterwards to recommit herself to mystique's world leading Mm -hmm. directly into that marvel fanfare story that we read a few episodes ago where she goes on a mission with mystique Mm -hmm. uh thoughts on this fria
2: Oh I mean I absolutely love that it's like two moms and her like you know because now that I've read like X-Men Legacy and how she talks about her two moms and stuff so it's like really effective, effective from that point of view um and then I I wasn't sure Destiny's actually that old <laughs> So I know that Mystique is also very old because yeah. she had the whole regeneration thing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, yeah, it's like one of those and also kind of a reminder of like that that one panel in X-Men 6. Like, yeah, like, you know, all of that kind of brings together. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I absolutely loved it. And I wanted more of this, like more of their lives, you know, before Brotherhood or X-Men comes into
0: play. Mm-hmm. Tyler?
1: So this is one of the story that I remember but always misremember the details mm. because I always thought that this is the time when she... Kisses um, Cody Accidentally Cody Yeah Yeah. Ex- accidentally <laughs> killed Cody But um I mean not killed But like you know Put him in a put coma Put him in a coma Yeah <laughs> So yeah So I always thought This was the story about that But then it's not It turns out to be not It's just like a brief
0: Because that already happened That's when she still lives With her parents or whatever Then yeah. she runs away Then she gets with the Mystique Then right. she Then this kissing of Freddie yeah. Happens in this story
1: Correct yeah. So this sort of like You know intermix in between But um The very first page Of her with the bike And things like that That was That mem. I do remember that scene like vividly in my mind. Whenever I come, whenever I thought about, um, you know, uh, Rogue and her first kiss, that image always comes up. So, mm. um, and the other thing also is that like Dwyer is actually a much better, um, artist when he's trying, when he's not trying to imitate, uh, Burn. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a step that, incidentally. And, you know, because I think um, some of the earlier issues of classics where um, Claremont inserted pages in it, it was Dw- Dwyer trying to draw Burn uh, style, and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But here, in this backup story, I thought it was it is it, actually really beautiful. Like, it's really nicely done.
0: Yeah, I you know, the, I don't know that i had ever read this before, even though I'm a huge mm-hmm. lover of Rogue. And the reaction I had was kind of like, all of these first class books and young reader books and everything that they've tried to do, making Kitty the focus character or doing like Wolverine or whatever. Where's my book about Teen Rogue and her two moms? Like, this is a book That absolutely could run every month. You could do it now. You could do it in the present day. There's so much to explore in terms of Mm -hmm. Mystique's journey from just what did, how did they, Mystique and Destiny get together? How did Mystique go from kind of just like petty criminal who kind of was using her power to kind of turn, um, to turn little schemes on people to get into positions of power to just living this semi-domestic life, but also plotting to put together this brotherhood of mutants. Like there's so Mm -hmm. much. And then Rogue, you know, just this whole, you could do this whole book of almost Riverdale style of like Rogue's life like Rogue's in school with her long gloves on Rogue has to go to gym glass but she doesn't want to get go to the showers you know like there's just so much and I got to the end of this and I'm like for all the weirdness that Nusenti has mined in her other stories in this mm-hmm. moment I'm like here's what where Nusenti like really gets it and I I wish I would read this book today
2: the, and the thing is like the one panel where uh, Destiny is cooking and you know Mystique is like hey you know yeah. that was like such a perfect like you know because you see that in family dynamic in like straight parents so often but here they are they are two parents and they're mm-hmm. trying to parent the child and it just it's it's perfect and the thing is like you know you no matter what the relationship rogue has with her mom she always talks about her two moms like yeah. you know and then this is kind of like all comes there, but yeah. So, I mean, I, I've been kind of championing Grove Mystic Destiny series as well. Like, you know, because we see a lot of t- stories about gay couple, but we don't see gay couple with their, do- with their children. So mm-hmm. bring that in. Like, you know, a family, like, you know, and all of that. So starts here. This can be like issue the first like material from classic 44.
0: And it definitely, I mean, to tell a brief personal story, it reminds me growing up, on either side of my house, both of our neighbors were gay couples. One a couple of women and a couple of men on the other side, neither of whom were out. It was never spoken of. I never saw either of them kiss. I ne- it was never said that they were married, but like in retrospect, and I've talked to my family about this since then, they were both gay couples, and this story makes me think of that, like I, I for one of them, we were really good family friends of theirs, and I would like go to their house sometimes, and every so often like eat dinner or whatever, and I can just see the scene you know, of this couple together and like, they never held hands, they never kissed in front of me, nothing like that, but Clearly they were together. And that's kind of, this is to me the positive side maybe of something that's so obviously Mm -hmm. queer coded because at the time in the eighties, I can relate to this. I was surrounded by, by queer couples who weren't out but you still believe they had the same loving relationship like why did I think these two men lived together and shared a kitchen and and had pet names for each other I don't know I just assumed that it was fine that they did and later when I found out that they were a couple I was like oh well that makes total sense and so to me that's how I read this issue it's not a good thing that they couldn't be out and we couldn't just say that they were together on panel Mm -hmm. but I think it actually really resonates with me because that was my experience with closeted people around me or even if they weren't closeted full time in their lives Right, they were they were closeted to me as their neighbor um mm-hmm. in my life.
2: Uh, Black Tom and the will want to have something with you. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know. And then wasn't there also another because I very like you know, um vividly remember there was one panel where Mystique tells Destiny you were screaming in your sleep. Like yeah, and then That was later they,
1: on in Uncanny X-Men yeah
2: yeah there was yeah. like there was like one scene where where she yeah. says that I, I don't know how yeah. i know that and, it, and like it was like i think i wrote it as like oh, characters who were queer all the time and mm-hmm. then that was that panel is used it's like yeah. yeah when two ladies just slip to like <laughs> you don't do yeah. that in a house so when you was, have separate it, room you don't it it do was that also
1: it was also so like you know randomly i mean not casually dropped because um m- I think Destiny was just walking down the staircase and basically just saying, "Oh, yeah, you was you were not sleeping very well last night, or something like that." And yeah. I was like, and then like you know, and that's it. Not the, then it wasn't mentioned again or whatever. And right. then it's like, oh, hmm.
2: yeah. Now we can talk about people tickling with their sausage springer. How far we have come.
1: Yeah, but wait. <laughs> or, let's go back to that two Potter that I oh, think Peter man. has a lot to say. The Queen's about. Gambit
0: starring Cyclops. Uh, so it's classic x-men 40 and 41 it's the only two true two-parter of all of these classic x-men issues and it's um it's really interesting tyler why don't you i I know you like these stories why don't you set us up here (laughs) well i mean basically this is um this is the
1: story which um in some ways i think was claremont trying to um write the origin stories of sinister but um well um it was later on being retconned. but the 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 thing is also is that he's he's filling a lot of gaps um in terms of like how um scott grew up in the orphanage how he felt abandoned how he closed in on himself and then i could actually like you know not really um use that very last page of this two-parter because i think it diminishes the whole the impact of the whole thing but you know, uh, the last thing being is. what that Xavier like Xavier finds and, him at and his and worst s- moment. Yeah. yeah. So I mean it diminishes the whole the whole um the, the the situation that Sinister put him through, right? Because every single step of the way where um Scott almost achieved happiness, it was being taken away. So and I I mean I find it really well in, on one hand it's really creepy but the other hand it's like you know it's really sad because you know cyclops could have turned out to be something very different hmm. and you know it could be you know Fariha
0: might be like oh yeah I love sky cyclops <laughs> <laughs> just think of how different it yeah. could have been yeah <laughs> it um <laughs> uh, what did but you think of the tiny tyke psych in this what did you think of his yeah. story at the orphanage
2: and like i mean yeah like a uh, lot of time he was talking about uh, how he's damaged goods and that's why nobody wants him i'm like oh damn. like oh, damn. let me like <laughs> let me hate you properly <laughs> like you know but then at the same time like there's other mutants who are also in bed and then they turned out fine so you can do it too <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but the Nate was, uh, sinister, right? Because as soon as, like, the Nate, his friend Nate was always yeah. there, I'm like, Ugh. Like, yeah. Well, and then, the, and then, then he and he's was so like, he's so negative.
0: Awesome. Such a uh, negative, uh, cynical little kid, too. Yeah. Except oh. that's really Mister Sinister.
2: Yeah, and then the, the doctor actually said, like, "Oh, he he looks like a kid, but he he's like that demon who pretends to be." I'm like, "Oh yeah, this is <laughs> this is you know." I mean, yeah. I wish there was like a little bit they showed that he had like a darker hair or like a gaunter mm-hmm. uh, skin and stuff that would have made it like more apparent. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's one of those things where it's like his brother got adopted, he couldn't be. Yeah. And then you know he was just abandoned again and again. And then right, yeah. right when he was on the verge of abandonment, um, and he was meant to believe that they just ad- dropped it, but just they were actually it. they were actually killed. Yeah. like all of that was like
1: that was like bad. But I know. Like,
2: oh, but why? Is it's sinister, so sad. Why is sinister after him?
1: Okay, so so the or- <laughs> bless you Thank the original Claremont. I'm um, sorry. origins for mr sinister is that mr sinister is actually this kid and the the character mr sinister is is the dream form of this kid so the (gasps) kid just dream out of this of of this thing so it's a product of uh of from the mind of this kid which is why which is why sinister has this 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 um this kind of childish name yeah right because who who, which respectable villain will call myself mr sinister i mean it's like yeah only a kid would think of it so and this kid is like obsessed with like you know keeping um scott with him so so that was the origin uh original origins from from claremont which of course later on got recon 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 and Oh, yeah, because different. the thing is, like,
2: I mean, you know, in recent, um, in Gillen's uh, X-Men, uh, uh, Sinister says that, oh, you are the prince, mutant prince, that, you know, that he, you want to be the mutant prince, and that's why you kind of always find the right mate for you or whatever. And uh-huh. like, what is his obsession with him? And he stole, his, <laughs> he stole his, you know, stuff and then created cable and all that. I'm
1: like, yeah. what is it? I know. Why? So... But yeah,
2: yeah but, you know, to be honest, if this was actually the true thing, that would have made so much more sense. Like this kid grew up to be
0: him. Yeah. Right. Because it's a little incongruous because Sinister, now we know, had at this point been around for decades. Like he had yeah. so much power, so many resources, and he's basically just like spending years gaslighting you know, this, this yeah. preteen <laughs> kid to what, to what end, right? But first of all, you have to think at the time, this was like a really thrilling, you're like, what? All of this misfortune that has Scott has hinted in again and again about being in an orphanage. Sinister was the engineer of all of that. Like it was, even if you didn't have that whole sinister is the, mm-hmm. the shadow self of a kid kind of, um, aspect of it, it was like really, really gripping. But the other thing is. It, Claremont just writes a really it's a really good story it's like Scott at the orphanage showing Scott trying to be empathetic but the other kids are also mean to him and like mm-hmm. Scott can't find a way out it kind of it does a lot with Scott's trauma he can't really remember anything about his parents even though he was old enough to have some memories about them I think it also um goes to if you have and the read, world
2: burns the world burns all the time
0: yeah, or like, um, Jay, uh, Cyclops one shot as part of these Marvel snapshots that Kurt Busiek mm-hmm. has been cultivating in the last year. Of course, Jay is one of the hosts of Explain the X-Men, you know, and Jay has a very specific take on Cyclops that he's, you know, possibly neurodivergent, uh, and that's a part of his story as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really comes through for me here, having read it after having read Jay's issue of that Cyclops snapshot. It, um, it just really, really makes him into a much holer character that makes it easier to understand him, I think, in the present day. And also, so then you have to kind of like fan canon Sinister's whole jam. Like, why does, why can't Sinister just let it go? Or why can't Sinister just abduct him or just take him and clone him or whatever? Yeah. And the thing that I've decided is that Sinister really wants to see his powers develop. And he doesn't really, Sinister's like too vain and has too many other things going to just like actually babysit this kid for however many years. So he's like, we're just going to keep him where I could keep an eye on him and where he's having the worst, Life ever so that once his power develops I can kind of swoop in and be like oh I see you're a mutant and because he knows he's been following this summer's bloodline and Havoc for whatever yeah. you know reason is not as interesting to him although there is a flashback in mm-hmm. X Factor negative one where he's also kind of looking into Havoc's life mm-hmm. and I think that you know you get this the reason that last page is the way it is is because Sinish is probably about to spring it on Scott he's killed these potential adoptive parents he's gotten rid of the doctor anybody who could possibly intercede and get in the way of him like bringing this child up for his own almost in this very like sleeping beauty kind of way right and then at the moment that Sinister almost has it in the bag Xavier shows up and Sinister has no recourse against Xavier at this point so he's like foiled again
2: and knowing his past with Xavier he must be really really pissed but yeah it's kind of like you know the other version of like you know how why is Uber into Jean like you know it's like he's an immortal why is he into this girl like you know like it or like if you look at the twilight or any of the other like vampires into like the teen girls like why they're they like it's the same thing with sinister too it's like why that
0: boy like, yeah and then why are you like well, live, well he's obsessed with the bloodline but like why are you like live why, why are you his roommate and the orphanage
2: yeah yeah and why loopy. don't you know about moira like you know i would go after that one that's like the way powerful mutant than anything uh but yeah i mean it just like the i i don't know the whole it was really scary but you know mm-hmm. i wish this was the origin damn that was like scary yeah
1: so but scary. at the end i mean even if it's not I, I i still think this is like a really really good story right because i mean i this thing did stuck with me too, so like I do remember snippets of this thing, um you know, even like um, I don't remember that I do remember that his uh, his potential adopted parents was uh were killed, but I don't remember the doctor becoming like you know um changing and becoming uncaring, so but it's not so, the same
2: doctor though right
1: like it mean, is. the doctor
2: is killed that's right. No, the doctor I, wasn't that, killed oh, the way I read it, the doctor was killed, and he just put a clone oh
1: a clone. Yeah. That's how um, that's, I read uh, it too. Okay, that's okay. A, got it, got it. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, obviously it makes sense in the retro in the yeah, retcon, yeah. but it didn't make sense back then. So yeah. you know, but um yeah.
0: Well these are so, highly recommended. I would say that these two, actually three of these. I think both mm. the, the Cyclops two parter in forty one and forty two and the rogue story in forty four are some of the like can't miss classic X Men mm-hmm. backs ups, along yeah. with that um the whole 36. Uh, thir- 36. Which one was thirty
2: six? The Moira
1: one.
0: Right. More than thirty six, yeah. and then 7, which is, I think, the, um, the Hellfire Club one where they're, like, mm-hmm. seeing what they're going through in the same night of the M. Sentinels. Because they're actually reprinting that one as part of this whole Hellfire gala in the current Xbox. which oh, I think it's yeah. pretty cool, but no spoilers. Ah. Uh, so yeah, the, the, I'm really happy with this classic read. I've paged through so many of them. My guide is one of the only places on the internet that, that, that correctly uh, explains where they all fit. And even in my explanation, you know, I originally based it off of this, um, X-Men, um, official index to in the Marvel Universe, which has yeah. X-Men and all the X-Men characters indexed all the way through. Let's see, where does it leave off? It leaves off right around where Freya just got to. 509, 510. Well, she's past that now, but it Damn. has all, it has all the classic issues indexed in it too. And at the mm. time, I just kind of took for, um, I just took the word of this and kind of put them where I thought that this was saying to put them. But now that I've read them through a few times, there's actually some degrees of difference where they really should be placed. The, You know, these things, as official as they may or may not be, they're ultimately fallible. And your read could still be a better read. Just Mm -hmm. because Marvel's put out one version of it doesn't mean it's always correct. So the point that I'm getting to in all this is like, I these really did add a lot. And I got a lot of additional stuff. And I do think a couple of them are essential. Some of them are trash. But Mm -hmm. some of them are really, really essential. But some are
1: really weird.
0: (laughs) Yeah, especially if Anasenji is writing them. So uh, so look, we only have two more classic issues left. And Mm -hmm. we're going to tackle them next episode. So our next conversation is going to be about Uncanny X-Men 135 and 136. We're going to do 137 as its own episode. You'll find out why next uh, episode. And then next episode, we're ending our reads of classic X-Men with 37 and 38. Both of them are dazzler stories, which probably happen... Sometime yeah. shortly before or shortly after her appearance in 129 through 131. So we're just going to read them here as if that's what Dazzler's doing during the Dark Phoenix Saga. Ah, uh, guys, I cannot wait. What? what? What are you doing here? You're not supposed to be on this reread. I, you know, you guys have been having such a good time doing these rereads. I'm like, I want to get on this. Where have I been? Where, well, Harry, you haven't read any of this Claremont X-Men though, right? Ah, uh, that's a good point. I have not. I, you know, we, we should read something else. That's my idea. Give me, um, give me a little bit of time to think about this. I got something cooking. I think we're going to like it. Okay. Well, I don't like the sound okay. of this at all. Yeah, it's a little suspicious, I think. But we'll see <laughs> yeah. what you come up with. Just wait, you guys. I think you'll be entertained. Mm. Okay. I'm sus. Uh, so that has been our Epic X-Men reread for this issue. And the reason that we get together and do this is why, Faria?
2: X-Men is better when it's ready.
0: That's right. And there's a lot of deeper themes that you can access when you have multiple voices around the table to talk about this stuff. So we hope we've brought up some themes maybe you haven't noticed before. And if you have some to share with us, we would love to hear them as well. So if you're watching this, please leave us a comment here on YouTube. If you're hearing this as a podcast, head over to Twitter and uh, send me an ad at Crushing Comics and I will share it with the gang. But until we see you next time from Candy X-Men 135 through 136, on behalf of myself, Tyler, and Freya, this has been another epic X-Men reread here on Crushing Comics.